Hello, I'm Steph. And I'm Al. And this is The Source, a podcast from Chicken and Chips Casting. We're bringing you conversations with people we love, talking about things we love and hate or feel strong feelings about. And it's all no BS. This episode of The Source is brought to you by We Audition. We are big fans of this platform and we plug it relentlessly in workshops and with actors. We hear so often actors can't find a scene partner for their audition and this is the immediate solution. It's a global platform that helps you find a scene partner on demand through video chat for rehearsals and self-tapes worldwide. So if you need an accent or just decide to tape at 2am, We Audition is where you'll find someone. It also enables actors to meet casting directors, agents and industry experts for one-on-ones through video chat. Sign up for a membership to access actors and industry professionals all around the world. You could also be a reader for other actors, which is a great way to continue practicing and playing with scenes. We're offering our listeners a 25% discount on your membership when you use the code SOURCE25. That's S-A-U-C-E-2-5. Head to weaudition.com to sign up. Source 25 for your discount. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to you. To this Welcome place. to the source, Stephanie Pringle. Alison Fowler. Thank you. Uh, what's happening? What's, uh, your, what's your source? What's your source? Um, so my source is I recently treated myself oh. to a purchase. <gasps> I love this. Um, an original Kimmy Hogan artwork. Oh, I need to see a photo because I yeah. feel like I know the artist but I can't visualise. Yeah, I, I've i been admiring her stuff for so long and I just, I just because I recently moved as well, I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to buy a couple yep. of pieces. And then she had a sale. I was like, well, this is meant to happen. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I did great. it, and Kimmy, you're the greatest. And where have you put it? Not that so I can visualize that because I haven't been to your place yet. But so I ended up um, getting two, and I have slight buyer's regret because I should have just gone with one really big one, mm. but I couldn't make a decision. Oh, uh, yeah. And actually, I think the one that I originally was going to get didn't have it in the size that I wanted, so I ended up getting two slightly smaller ones. And I've got one above my dining table and one in the hallway. <gasps> in Beautiful. The front door. Anyway, I love them. And Kimmy, if you want to sponsor or, I don't know, I can be your ambassador. If you want to send me anything else, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Nice plug. <laughs> oh, well, we'll put the put her handle in the show notes yes. so that everyone can everyone go and can admire go her and hopefully buy some artwork. Yeah. I love that because um, I haven't – I've had my eye on a couple of artists and I haven't done that yet mm. because I'm – you know how you're just forever waiting and when you rent, I mean, you're still renting, but like when you rent, it's like, you I don't, don't want to, yeah, I don't want to commit. And I also want to do the same thing that you've had buyers regret over is buy one really beautiful, mm-hmm. big piece of art, but you need the wall for it. You need it. the wall and you need to know what that wall's going to be and what else is going to be yeah. in that room. And yeah. So, so maybe I don't have buyers regret because I no. know that those small ones will actually fit anywhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah. Anyway. I'm, I can't wait until I can do that. Yeah. What's um, your source? My source. Well, my source this week is more of like um, another one of my uh, rediscovered obsessions. Okay. So I... Um, is it TikTok? 
no, <laughs> it's not TikTok. Um, uh, I got so many messages about that sauce, by the way, on Instagram. Everyone's messaging me being like, oh, What's my God. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking hell. I haven't even posted anything. Yeah, okay. uh, most boring TikTok user of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it is my rediscovery of Tim Flannery. Oh. Environmentalist. Yeah. Climate. Um, advocate. advocate and just fucking amazing mm. human being. Now, I saw Tim speak when I was in year nine. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Will and I, his dad drove us down from Newcastle, uh, from the Hunter, and um, we saw him talk at the Western Hotel mm-hmm. in the city. And I remember going there then and that was so foreign to me because I'd never talked about I knew about global warming whatever but I hadn't ever talked about climate change it wasn't really a part of my it wasn't a part of much life then no and I came from a coal mining family Mm. like generational coal mining family so we all know that they're like they're Climate skeptic. It's a generational thing. Um, but I think, yeah, so my obsession has just been like I'm reading one of his books at the moment called The Future Eaters mm. and I've listened to like a thousand million yes. podcasts and he's got a new book that's just come out. So like I've just gone down this like rabbit yeah. hole of like Tim Flannery mm. and now I just want to marry him and he's like, I don't know, pretty old. Oh, well, um, no judgment. So <laughs> Unless he's taken. I'm- I mean, he's probably married. Yeah. Oh, well. Um. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, Tim. Just great stuff, though. I just watched the um, Netflix doco. I think it's from last year or something. Breaking Boundaries. Really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really good one. I, I mean, feel like this is my him, topic at the moment. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. on a real rampage at the moment. I think I'm, like, in an education phase. Yeah. But, yeah, I just watched Breaking Boundaries, and that was really good. Interesting. Okay, I'll add that to my list. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just – and I just love – I love hearing him talk about, like – because he's discovered, like – like heaps of different species of mammals mm. and like all this shit. And I'm just like, whoa, I just, I yeah, know. it just blows my I mind. I always listen to or read stuff about that and I'm like, God, what am I doing? That it seems so daunting. I find it so daunting as to how you can actually make an impact. Yeah. Or how, and that, I think that's why I go in this this education thing of like small steps. Like what are yeah. the small steps we can all be doing? Because so I'm overwhelmed. I thought about this and obviously from listening to because I was I was doing that too I'm looking at things that I can do on an individual level that's not as you say like overwhelming Mm. and I think um uh, the main things are what we were talking about the other day is like divesting and like things like moving your super and changing your bank Mm. and um you know it's not I mean it is it is using less plastic and Mm. single-use stuff and, you know, eating not, you know, eating more clean diet. Is that how you... Plant-based. Plant-based. Yeah. I'm not not with lingo. Um, So, yeah, it's all of that. But it's also, yeah, what what you do with your money Mm. because the whole thing about why Australia invests in fossil fuels is because people in parliament have individual interests Mm. in fossil fuels that's where their investments are so they can't fuck coal off they just can't so it's also thinking about where you're putting your money in terms of where you're not putting your money yeah like being educated about your purchasing decisions and if you take away buying from unethical sources yes you're contributing exactly in a in a way by not giving your money to the wrong people so you know 
Um, it's overwhelming. But it's overwhelming. Christ, we've ended up on a dark path here. But um, it well, is very fun. I actually find it very enjoyable and edu- constantly educating myself on it. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been down a, a whole rabbit warren of that. And Love it's that. just like re, it's just relearning things that I'd that I kind of already knew, but I was just like it avoiding. It re-inspires yeah. because then you realise, again, some of the things I can do is so simple. Yeah. I just need to kick myself up the bum and go do it. Yeah. Or it's that it's the other thing that we talk about all the time and it's like looking at things that you're already doing and knowing that those things are helping. Mm-hmm. So, like, I haven't bought, and I find this, like, a lot of people would struggle with this, is I have not bought a a roll of glad wrap neither in about when did i when did i move back to sydney it would have been 20 was that like three years ago Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah so like in three years i haven't i haven't bought Mm. a roll of glad wrap and i stopped buying um baking paper and i got those reusable ones oh that's so that's my next thing so i've got i've got my um the last whatever that i'm just going to use yeah and then so yep. I literally, coming from households, especially as kids that always had the staples, the glad yep. wrap, vaping paper and foil. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't have any of those anymore. Oh, you don't have foil? No. Foil is recyclable though. I know, but I just was like, it's another piece, piece of, of, it's yeah. another thing that I don't need. Like I yeah. physically don't need foil. Yeah. I don't use, I actually admittedly don't use that much foil, but I do just have a roll in my, mm. in my thing. Um, but the liners, like the baking tray liners are a no brainer. Yeah. You own, I yeah. literally only have one. Yeah. I have one and I have never needed anything else. Yeah. It's like one. And also I'm only roasting one tray at a time. Yeah. So anyway. Oh. Yeah. Little things. It's, yeah, yeah, it's the re-inspiration, if yeah. that's a word. Um, anyway. We divulged, but that was great. Yeah. Love that. Can't wait there to hear go. what your next thing is that you implement. That I implement, yeah. yeah. I think maybe maybe we should share <gasps> something. Let's challenge. do a challenge. Okay. What's a new something we can implement every week or every fortnight and then we can okay. regroup on it. You heard yep. it here first, guys, and we'll let you know. Yeah. And then maybe ready. everyone at home can kind of do the same. Yeah, let us know. Ooh. It's become this a has become a sustainability podcast. <laughs> I'm okay. Brought with to it. you by Tim Flannery. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to feature on the podcast, give us a call. Oh my god, I would love to have him on the podcast. Oh. All in good time, my friend. Does anyone know Tim Flannery? Give us a call. Comment, like, subscribe, share. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's actually go talk to someone, eh? Yeah, that'd be good. Bye. Bye. Simon Williams is a former Australian Institute of Sport and New South Wales Institute of Sport athlete and an award-winning filmmaker. He started his first high-performance coaching business at the tender age of 16, mentoring talent, and has spent the past 10 years mentoring disadvantaged youth with a focus on trauma-informed care, positive behaviour, engaging learners, and choice theory. MAP was founded as a mechanism to become the high-performance coach that he needed when he was trying to optimise his own performance and represent his country at sport. The wisdom he has cultivated over the years through both high-performance experience and certification has allowed him to succeed in multiple disciplines across sport and the arts. His innovative, market-first, 
three-tier coaching programs, namely the Talent Ascension Program and the Private Ascension Program, and new in 2022, the Coaches Ascension Program for coaches and facilitators looking to empower their performers, have been hugely successful in in achieving the goals and dreams of his clients. He says, helping talent actualize their potential is my purpose on this planet. It truly is. It is absolutely my passion and a gift I hold with great responsibility. A dream is something incredibly powerful and fragile. It is important that we as dreamers only share them with those who we believe can help us achieve them. We must remember, no one is going to work harder on your dream than you. But I'll be right behind you every step of the way until you reach the peak of your mountain. Welcome to The Source, Simon Williams. Hello. Hey girls, lovely to see you again, as always. Indeed. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, it always is, you know, chatting to you girls. And we've we've chatted for years, so this is actually very comfortable and fun. So it's awesome. Mm. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how long it has actually been since we met. I could give you a date. Uh, oh, my God. Well, not, an, uh, it's not a day. I could give you a year, I think. And I think it would be 2012, maybe? 2012. Yeah, that sounds about right. Nine years. Yeah, because right? it was before you started working at Fountainhead, Al. Yeah, okay. I think, I was it? Know. I don't remember. When yeah, I, I, I met Al oh. through Chicken and Chips. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so it would have been on your, when we were casting your film, Breath, Breathless? Breathless. Was it Breathless or was it something else before no, that? No, it was, it was the other one with, um, we were doing the, oh, the pilot. It Can Happen Anywhere in the World? That's that's the one after that. No, there was God. a the feature was a feature length uh, film that I'd written that um, I was looking to shoot a like a pilot or a short. <gasps> that's right. Excerpt of it, kind of like what Chevelle did with um, with uh, uh, Spotlight. Not Spotlight. What's his other one? The really good one. The drummer. Mind blank. Uh, um, with Miles. Yes, Miles Teller. Oh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Whiplash, sorry. So, yeah, he, he that's how he got funding for, this, for the um, the features because he, he filmed a really short excerpt of that um, with J.K. Simmons and some other actor that was, was no, not as good as Teller. But um, that won an award and then at a, at a, and he put that into a short film festival, won an award, got funding for the feature, went out, smashed it, won an Oscar history. I mean, made. when you've got J.K. Simmons for your little pilot shoot, yeah. you're, oh my good. God. you're safe. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and that, very inspirational. And um, But, yeah, that's where it all started, 2012, when we were trying to um, get that off the ground and we kind of had that rolling it. But I'm so glad that that um, didn't go ahead because that film is still in the process of um, being developed. Yeah ongoing yeah it's in it's in a writing phase like uh, obviously um set in new zealand and um one of my best mates who's a fantastic incredible director and writer he's he's attached and he's basically um doing his work on the script as well and we had a session this morning actually from 9 till 10 30 so it's it's in early early development um so we're um i'm super excited about that one but that that's that's the that's the one. That's the catalyst ah. that began it all, and it's and it's still going. And you, mm. you guys, well, specifically Steph too, were there from the beginning. So much love. And mm. I think this is the thing. What I've, what I would say to anyone who's listening about these two girls is that the support um, 
that not only I've felt, but the entire industry from anyone I talk to that knows you guys has just been so warm. Like it's the, a, a huge change. And that's one of the great things that I love about game changes is that if the, the industry specifically may have been a little bit more, um, you almost shut off a little bit. Like there was only some specific direct ways to get your, get your work seen or for actors to get jobs. And now guys like yourself, if not you guys as the pioneers have sort of turned the arrowhead open and said, look, we need to change this industry and make it more, uh, more welcoming, give more opportunities to more great talent because there's so much talent out there. Mm. So to spearhead that is, that is a gift. And I'm, I've been privy to the um, the wake of that beautiful work that you've been doing. So I thank you. And I know there's, there's actors in my group that are actually being influenced by your work still. So um, when I say group, it's the coaching group that I'm working with. Yeah. Um, so, yes, oh, that's we, so nice. we collectively thank you. Yeah, oh, thanks. Because, yeah, we do. I mean, we. Uh, it's nice to hear that feedback when you set out to do something and you have this kind of vision and goal and then people – get it <laughs> they get it and they're like mm. benefit from it and you know or at least feeling like this is what I would like people to think of us and knowing that they do is yes quite nice. yes yeah totally and I think that's a great thing for everybody too is to sort of set a vision set a goal but then um, one of the great things that I've also felt from the way that you guys have executed it was that it was always rooted in a sense of service like it wasn't obviously with a great goal, it's for us to achieve something, but I never felt that was what it was all about. It was more about how this can change an industry and serve the community. So to have almost to be the vessel of that change is the reason why I think that you guys have kind of really picked up momentum and become, you know, look at the, look at the awards that are flooding in B, B and T, um, you know, this year and then I'm sure there's going to be more to come. So mm. proof's in the pudding, girls. The pudding. <laughs> um, well, we'll come back to that because we missed our we missed our opening question, which is because we just dive straight into this stuff, we, we, could, we get carried away. What is your source of the week? Oh, yes, that's right. We had a, had a brief chat before that. Um, I have to preface that I had something fantastic that I forgot to put <laughs> into my phone and you don't get that. But I've got uh, another one which um, – something that was really fantastic is, it, is for me is that like this, we've just talked about collaboration and I wanted to talk about how um, collaborations networking, we've talked about this on the, on the Map Life podcast before is that how powerful and impactful networking can be when it's done from an authentic and genuine place and it's available. It's the opportunities are out there thick and fast and this, there's plenty of opportunities for networking and what's happening at the moment um for me and for MAP is that some collaborations, which I'm very proud of, are coming to fruition. Um, so in terms of celebrating like a win, um, it's been that I have been gardening for some time. And what I mean by gardening is turning the soil and planting seeds and, and doing the work and just loving being a gardener. And when I say gardener, in inverted commas, like being the coach that I always wanted. And by doing that work and by collaborating with the right people and the people I believe in, it a synergy is starting to happen. And with that synergy, like I do with you girls, like obviously I don't want to work with anybody else. So that synergy creates something great. Um, and hopefully the work uh, is shows that as well. And I think that's what's going to come of these collaborations for MAP uh, moving forward with um, 
with some of these these collaborations that I've been um, working and toiling with over the last uh, sort of six months. And hopefully they go into something that will impact the community both at an adolescent level to a um, to an adult level in a very, very big way. So that's something that is the source for me at the moment, a source of inspiration uh, as perspiration follows inspiration. And I'm very much inspired by um, the people I'm collaborating with, mm. you guys included. Yeah. Excellent. That will lead into the next question is, can you tell us what you do? Tell us about MAP. MAP, sure. So motivation and performance partners. You and I, um, well, we, when I say you and I, Chicken and Chips and I've done a few IG lives before. Um, but so ultimately, fun. yeah, always good. Always good. Ultimately, what um, what MAP is, it's, it's optimized performance coaching. Uh, optimized performance coaching can be from whether you're a performer and you want to upgrade or up level to a high performer, whether you are a high performer and you want to optimize your performance, right? Um, or whether you're a coach and you want to empower and engage and activate the performers who are working under you. Um, so I can, I basically work with those three levels of players, performer, high performer, and uh, and the coach. And the ultimate idea of the business is to, that I wanted to become the coach that I never had when I was trying to ascend and achieve these huge goals as a kid, you know, whether it's 16, 22, 27. Um, I just didn't feel like I had the me who I am now to support me to get to where I wanted to go. And I believe had I had that, then um, it may have been a different outcome. Not that I would, I would want a different outcome because I'm absolutely in love with where I am and who I am and doing with what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with, like I said. But I think um, the power of having someone to support us in our ascension to, uh, to the big goals, because obviously sometimes when we dream big, they can become a little overwhelming. So in, in a short answer, it's my job. And what I what I love to do is to support people, almost Sherpa them all the way up to the top of their Everest and help them plant the flag at the top and enjoy the view um, of their toil uh, mm. and their climbing. Yeah, it's interesting you said that you didn't have that person when you were younger because when I think about it, because Al and I, obviously we we say that we collect people, right? So we collect mentors and we have all these amazing people around us that teach us all this incredible stuff about being better humans and better casting directors and all the different facets of what we do. Um, I just think it's really interesting that you don't, that as, chill, as kids when we're growing up, even through high school, like there's no opportunity to actually learn about life being a and human. and how and like you you teach you taught the, the basic fundamentals of goal setting and and things like that and I've always been really really goal oriented and have like a, a bit like you with the goals big goals and mm-hmm. not quite sure how to achieve them but um yeah having a coach at a younger age like even when you said like did you say seven or something you just mentioned like seven and 12 and something it was you know if you had a coach when you were when you were young um you know imagine how many other things are unlocked mm. well i think yeah if you think about because when we do a lot of our work it's not sometimes it's a big change but ultimately when you get to the level of high performance that's it's the one percenters right mm. but if you make a one percent change 100 days in a row like you can see the trajectory that you're going to be on is so far away from where you would have been. Yeah. Right. 
And if you think about incorporating greater systems, greater processes, a greater sense of self, a greater sense of self-belief and confidence, ultimately, and that means you're going up 1% every time. And again, in 100 days or in a year, you are going to be so far higher on your mountain. And the, not only that is that the the climb itself, in inverted commas, and again, I use mountain metaphors all day, Steph, you know this. So, I, know. I love um, the mountain metaphor. It's easy, right? So yeah. Miley Cyrus of you. <laughs> <laughs> but you can understand how far up and how much more enjoyable that climb will be when you are clear about where you're stepping, why you're stepping in that direction. It's more concise. You can be more confident. And therefore, you can be more courageous in the decisions that you make simply because everything's more clear. And I always say that clarity is power, right? And we, my job as a great coach is to empower. A great coach empowers, a bad one enables. So ultimately, what I want to try and do is empower um, my clients, you know, whether it's athlete, actor, whatever it might be, business owner. Um, I mean, and there's a guy in the group who's a CrossFit athlete, but at the same time, he's, his goals is to be a great dad. right? Mm-hmm. So we're working with him and such a beautiful man. We're, we're working with him on creating legacy, you know, within his family. And, and it's, it's just, uh, again, improving things on, on a finite level, like as I said, on a 1% levels, it can, it's consistency, which creates momentum and momentum then gets you to the places you want to get to with so much more joy. Because obviously when you're trying to achieve a goal, when you feel like you're stuck and there's no, uh, no traction, there is no momentum, you start to get a little bit antsy. You start to start to question who you are, what you're doing, what you believe in, what you want to achieve. And ultimately, that's just not what we want to do. We want to create that momentum in the direction of where you want to go and what you want to achieve. So 1% every day, like formulating better habits, like I said, systems and processes, super so, important. So you obviously love this mountain and you've said Everest, Everest as well. So tell us more about this Everest and how you help people find it or identify it, even actually start with identifying it because I don't think a lot of people would even know what their Everest is. That's a great question. So there's obviously processes that we can go through in order to get a little clearer on because ultimately when we think about climbing or picking a goal it's like having a mountain range you're standing at the bottom of a range and going which one do i want to climb so i'd stand you know like a heli shot in alaska and seeing all these mountains that you could potentially climb which one do you climb right um that takes a little bit of coaching if someone hasn't got a specific goal already uh and it's it it's a process that is it's a universal process but ultimately what it can be very individually and it usually needs to be individually tailored based on the person's limitations how they see the world what their world view is what their view is of themselves um, but ultimately if anyone's listening wants to try this if you haven't got yourself a passion that you really are dedicated to that you want to get to the top of it's about dropping in it's about taking some time to reflect to sit to drop in, to get neutral. And by neutral, I mean that you're not feeling sort of torn either way. And just ask yourself, what you know, what is at the top of the mountain? Who do I want to be and what do I want to be doing? Right? Mm. Who do I want to be is a really important one because that needs to align. That's the most direct path to the top. Um, so who do I want to be when I'm when I when I'm if I could have the ultimate life, like if 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 there were no boundaries and barriers and there was no such thing as money. I could just choose to do or be anything I wanted. What is that? And try to visualize what that might be. And it 
sometimes that's scary for people because it, it you know to actually see what you want once you've seen it you can't unsee it but then you've got to obviously have the courage to then action the steps in which to go and take that but initially the idea is to sit down to drop in and to just spend some time with yourself in reflection about like if i could choose to be any like anyone or anything uh if i could if there were no blocks or barriers who would i be at the top of the mountain what would i be doing at the top of the mountain right um do you find that that almost is like sorry um i feel like the opportunities are so vast do you think that that sometimes is debilitating for people because if i'm given too many options which you're literally giving me all options in the world to pick my Everest, I'm like, oh, well, how? I need some parameters. <laughs> how but you do can't I... have parameters because that's limiting. But then I don't, don't, do you find, that's my question, do yeah. you find that some people find that even more like challenging to find who they want to be and what they want to do because the, the, the limit does not exist? Mm. I mean, I, I definitely found that when we were doing our, when we were doing the exercise and I did feel like when I, it's it's all about the reflection after you do the sessions for me with the, with our one-on-one sessions Si, is like when I go away from it I go oh I actually think I was limited I, I limited myself because in the at the time you're like oh there's no limit well I just want to do this thing this is what I want to do and then I walked away and I was like oh there's so many more things though within that that are much higher above that would totally be achievable once I've achieved that mm-hmm. so it's it for me anyway, and this is this is obviously a personal process for a lot of people, but for me, it was interesting to walk away from it once I'd identified the thing, then knowing that that actually wasn't the thing, that there, mm. that opened up. Once I'd identified the fir- that maybe it was the first step, then that actually opened up other things. Base camp. You identified base camp and then you actually figured out what Everest was. Base camp, that's what our, that's what our system's called. Well, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm right. I, I understand this, guys. I'm yeah. very... Sorry, I cut you off, but yeah. No, that's... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so in, to comment on that, I think it's a really good question. Um, the first things first, I think, it, like you think about Everest, is that um, it's not climbed in one push. Mm. It's, it's broken into stages, yeah. right? Um, so if someone has a goal that is Everest, it's like, this is, I want to play sport for my country. It's as big as it gets. That's the, that's Everest, right? So when we would break that down into stages and figure out how to do that, if someone isn't as definitive as the pinnacle, then like Steph said, it could be that we're basically picking a mountain that isn't the Everest, but it's the mountain on the way to the Everest. And obviously, when we draw our models and, and work out our strategies for the individual, you'll, we, you can see how it, it, it works with um, some of the drawings and the way we break it down. But the fact when someone, if, if someone feels a little bit um, like the unlimited nature of being able to choose anything is too much, I have never come across someone who doesn't already know what they want. It's just that they don't allow themselves to see or to feel it because of their own limitations in their subconscious or conscious mind so for example if if you know you were to say um there's too many choices it overwhelms me i completely understand that it's because you're asking your head what do you want and that's why what we want to do and this is why for someone like yourself i would guide you through the process i would ask the right questions and i think that's kind of where the guidance is whereas someone maybe like steph who's more goal orientated what do you want i want that like already knows it. So now we break down how to get it. I don't know how to get so, there though. 
that's again that's part of knowing the individual and how how i can provide uh, and do my job the best way that i can um both are super fun for me because as i said i love breaking the process down but i also love going through the process with something and allowing them to see and to feel something that is already innately within them because like i said my job isn't to give you like to feed you a lot of stuff it's to draw out the the golden nuggets that are already in there right that's potentially already buried like the treasure and to present it to you in, in such a clear way where you're like holy shit, i get it i've mm. always felt that and you know you've you've somehow you've said it in this way and i'm like well i'm just re- repeating what you're saying to me mm. i think I'm that's important like, like to distinguish between the two processes because i reckon if i was to think that i'd have to go into this thing knowing what my everest was i'd be like oh well that's not for me because I can't make a decision even if someone puts the options in front of me. So that's good to know that there's the two different processes and you One thousand percent. And I I think, as I was saying, when you go into a process from, let's say, your side of things where the sky's the limit, I don't know know which, which one to choose. A lot of the time I find that, because as I said, the conversation is then up to me and trying to dig in past the mind, allow that and then get through the heart and into the soul because ultimately the soul knows what it wants it's direct consciousness it's direct communication with consciousness um the super conscious how whatever you want to believe in and god creation nature light whatever it might be but it has given you something that is and place that on your heart and put that into your soul and it, it is there waiting to be actualized that's your potential in maslow's terms that is like self-actualization when we yep. understand our potential and then actualize it but there's a whole layer, there's layers and layers of needs that we have in between that in order to actually allow ourselves to actualize that potential. And then we've also got our subconscious blocks or limitations which have been placed there from how we've been raised or um, traumas that we've had or incidences that we had in high school and people say nasty things or not believing in you or whatever it might be. So there's all this stuff that can be layered on. And most of the time for people who don't have a specific goal, that's the case. There's a lot more going on in the head, right? Because, and so we want to try and bypass that and get into the heart and get into the soul and then ask, give the microphone to the little owl and say, hey, man, what, what do you want to do? It's the inner and child thing. Yeah. Completely, right? Yeah. And, and that's why sometimes we'll have to go back and do some timeline regression stuff where we allow you guys to meet and, and become like a symbiosis, allow that to sort of um, infuse so that that, young you and the old the older you or just not definitely not calling you guys old but the older <laughs> version become one mm. right because what's happened is that there's a separation as you, you've probably done a lot of this inner child stuff before but there's a separation and what we want to do is unify that in a way it sounds a little esoteric but it's really powerful mm. um and it allows you to feel like there's an alignment between your god consciousness which is your soul and your gut you know the gut brain travels up the vagus nerve into the heart allows you to express yourself obviously a lot of people close themselves off when they don't have a dream they don't believe they're worthy of that dream so they close off we want to be open express to give and receive and then let the mind play producer right i think i've talked to you guys about that before the soul should be the director the heart the actor the mind the producer so that again can be a process so it depends on the individual and that's why like steph was saying it to have a coach that sees your way of, of operation and can optimize that way so that you become the best version of you potentially earlier in your life rather than later is 
as I said, that's part and parcel of what I do. And I work with a lot of adolescents. I've mentored adolescents for 10 years. But I love also working with adults because to see them light up, right, That because the fire of the soul is never, never goes out until we end up in the sea of peace, you know, when we pass away and transition into the next life, whatever it is. Until that moment, that fire in the soul is always burning. And sometimes it can feel like it's just a flicker of a candle, you know, really, you know, times that are tough, we're anxious or we're depressed or we're down, but it never goes out until we go out. And the idea of what inspiration is, it's to breathe life or to put a breath of air, breath of life into that fire. And that's what inspiration is. That's what inspiration is, is that breath from the deity, right? Now, if we can breathe inspiration into that by opening up the channel and sparking that flame for anyone who's, as I said, who's not necessarily clear on their path, that is the best part of the process for me to see the eyes light up and then to go, holy shit, this is available. It's not only available, but I'm capable of doing it. It's like epic. All right, what do we do? Right? Okay, now I've got all this energy and I know what I want to do. What do we do? Then we start the process like I talked about with Steph, where we set up a system. Because James Clear, who's a huge um, you know, pioneer in terms of habits, um, he's, he's one of his great sayings is that you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems, right? And that's this is the guy who studied habits for years and years and years. So if you've got a great goal and a vision, but your habits are shit and shot, you're never going to get there because you're just going to be turning the wheel down here. So what we've got to do is optimize those systems, those processes, for you to go from where you are to where you want to be in the most direct and aligned heart, soul, mind way as possible. So obviously, once we've got the got the vision, you know, if we've worked through that, sometimes we start that process with asking, like, why do you do what you do? Why, you know, what do you love? Um, but the why is definitely something that I think I've mentioned also before is probably the most important thing to ask after you say, what do I want? If you figure out the what ask yourself why why is that important to me and then the japanese um strategy of asking that asking that five times why 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 Mm. it usually gets down to the to a a a value thing which is ultimately self-worth so but again i don't want to it sounds like i felt like i digressed a little bit there but no no that was good i think the idea would be to to understand that it it, it's a universal process because we're all human but the um, extrapolation of the understanding of the vision, you know, extracting what it is that you want or what Steph wants, it could be a very individual process. You need to go through with a professional if you want to get it right. Because the other other thing is so many people go, okay, I've I've got this sick goal and I want to go and get it. And they they rush through that base camp phase you mentioned before where they, because base camp's where you really tune up, you train up, you pack your bag with the right stuff. If you rush through that, and you pick the wrong mountain, right? You get halfway up and you're like, oh shit, it's the wrong mm-hmm. one. You got two options. And I've mm-hmm. said this before, you either turn around and quit because it's not the right one. And that feels like shit. Or you get to the top and it's unfulfilling because it's not the right one. So you just waste a whole bunch of time. So rather than rush through that foundation, that preparation process, that's part of that's like the talent ascension program, like the tagline is prepare to be great, right? Prepare. The preparation phase is the base of the mountain. We have to do that in base camp. Take your time. Don't rush out because you you might just be wasting time going down the wrong path. You get to the wrong places, a cornice or a crevice that you can't get around. You're going to come back. Take the time to prepare. Prepare, 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 then execute and then enjoy. 
So then you get the reward. Can mm. you more about this inner child thing? Um, uh, when when do you think that starts to uh, separate um, and become a thing of the past for people? And is there things? I mean, I know you coach adolescents, but do you have clients that are their parents? And are there things that you tell parents to help them not lose that inner child? Okay, so Did part one of that question. Yeah, 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 I think so. Part one of the question was in regards to... When do we start to lose our inner child? Okay, I, th- I believe that there's a, a, a moment in our lives when um, we get recognised for something, right? So we might be six, seven, eight, nine, like, or and it could be by a parent, could be by a friend, could be whatever. Might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. And in that moment of recognition or you taste achievement, you're like, oh, that feels good. So I'm going to go and do this now because I want to feel that way again about myself. I want people to see me and hear me and understand me. That's kind of our, our main goal to belong, right? Um, before that, though, there's an innate ability for us just to, when we're in absolute freedom mode, curiosity mode, where like we might be, we, we could be doing anything but it's the most natural and free that we ever are. Like for me, it was when I was a young guy, I used to walk around with a little book and a notepad and year one and two write stories, right? With a little notebook. And it was just easy for me to do that. It was fun, right? But then what happened was I, you know, like my old man was into sport. He used to practice with me as sport. And then I started doing world sport and I was like, well, that story bullshit can stay over there because dad loves me for doing this, right? So as an example, so I went and did sport and sport and obviously that's kind of what I did for a living for a long time. And then what I found when I came back to that inner child was like when I felt as lost as I've ever been, like I was saying in those moments where I needed someone to talk to and work with, I asked myself, I'm like, like, what do I want to do? Like, I don't need, one, I don't know who I am and two, I don't know what I want to do. But that innate, I reflected back and that innate desire, freedom of expression of storytelling was like, oh, that's it. So I started writing again, you know, music and started writing stories and it came it came flooding back. And from a conversation with a lot of clients, a lot of people, I believe that is the case for nearly, I haven't really seen too many where that hasn't been the case. I'll always ask, what do you do now? Okay, I'm doing X. What were you doing before that when you were a kid? Mm. You know, and sometimes it's even like, I, was, I used to make cubby houses. I used to love making cubbies, right? And organizing this and that and the other, and you think about what they're actually what they're doing now. It's, and if they're in their full expression, they're actually aligning with with that because their job is actually kind of in a similar way expressing themselves. But there's a moment where we either taste recognition or achievement where we separate. Sometimes it's a trauma. If you haven't seen the film The Wisdom of Trauma, it's an incredible film. Gabor Mate is like a world leader. Talks about how impactful that trauma is. Um, I would encourage the entire world to watch that. As I said, I've spent 10 years working with um, kids at a charity, like mentoring um, adolescent kids, um, and we were trauma-informed. And it wasn't one of the best things I've ever learned was trauma-informed care um, because it makes so much sense, right? Uh, and it's giving um, – anyway, definitely watch the film uh, and, and, you know, look into it yourselves as well. But there's – so the separation can happen for a lot of different reasons – and it can happen for a reason, as I said, for something negative or impactful like trauma, or it can happen for something like recognition or achievement. 
but there's that separation mode. Um, and all the separation is, is it's almost like a protective mechanism. If it's trauma, the, the bigger you or the new you becomes the protector and just says, I'm, I've got you. I'm not going to let anyone hurt you. I'm going to become the, I'm going to protect you. Right. And, and you can see that with, with trauma people that, you know, they, they hold people away or the way they react or act in certain situations. Um, and then obviously with the achievement side of things, the separation is because the ego self and the real self or the true self, that's when we develop or form that ego, I think, um, from what I've seen as well. So there's that separation in those moments. And obviously if you think about if you're an adult and you're still in those separated states, what we have to do is we've got to realign, like I said, with that regression stuff, potentially if it's trauma, get you back in contact with the, the you. If it's protective, we just need to make sure they feel safe and come back into an alignment. Or again, digging a little bit deeper over here, if it's more of an achievement recognition thing, we dig deeper into um, the, the true self. What does the true self love to do and how does the true self love to express itself? So it's a little bit of a different process, but you can understand, I guess, that they are kind of similar as well. It's just realigning the old self with the new self. So mm. yeah, the, the the younger self with the the older protective mm. self or achieving self. Yeah, interesting. So that's part one. Is it is is there another? Yeah, part of no. The, the next part was whether you talk to these, whether you talk to kids' parents, or even if you have thoughts of your own of how parents can help their children stay in touch with that and not lose that. Because I think that that's part of a parent's role. I mean, it's not their job. It's just like it's I'm honouring who they are and their their expression, I guess. I mean, you touch. I think it, it, you touched on this side maybe a little bit with your um your turning point from moving from writing into sport. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like uh, for me that sort of stuff is always about conditioning. So it's how you condition your kids in terms of like, you know, if, you, if, you, if, I, if I love ballet, for instance, and I'm desperate for Ziggy, my daughter, to be a ballerina because it's my unfulfilled dream. This is not my unfulfilled dream, by the way. But, but if that was the case, then I'm conditioning her to be the best ballerina, which I... I did see when I was dancing that a lot of parents were doing that to their kids. Oh yeah, um, and, and it was very damaging. It and we see it now in the in the studio with with kids and parents bringing them in that just don't want to act. They do not want to be there, but their parents are forcing them because they drove an hour and forty five minutes to get here, and that is really damaging for them. So I feel like there has to be some portion of when you when you lose your inner child, it's because or not lose it because I don't think you really ever lose it. Um, you might have to you might get, its voice might get silenced because of your your upbringing and your conditioning mm. it's you not an inner it. child you nurture yeah like do you find that like there are tools or ways that you can talk to parents about how they can best nurture their child to maintain their inner child for their adult life like yeah okay so i think that seeing children as or humans in general as we're not all the same mm. right and that sounds super simple but even i mean my partner my fiance does a, a, a modality called human design right and human design is like a modality that allows uh, and it was sort of brought to the forefront for parents to be able to parent their children 
and to understand their children in a much better way, a much more in-depth way. Um, as an example, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll rip it to shreds, I'll be horrible at expressing it because I'm not as in-depthly knowledgeable as, it, as she is, and you can bring her on and she'll be happy to talk to you guys about it. It's incredible, right? Um, but the whole idea about the system is instead of having one, like humans being one style of energy or an energy type, there's five different energy types of, of people. Um, and in those energy types or the differences of those energy types, there's like ones that if they're directed into passion, they can go all day, right? Whereas for me, I'm part of this other energy type that is more about um, ensuring that there's, that I don't exhaust myself and that I'm not imposing myself. If I get invited to ask questions or to answer questions like you guys are doing, that's the platform that I should be on. But standing on a, on a, on a platform and just sort of spooking my message is going to fall on deaf ears. So there's, uh, and the way that I then refuel is different compared to some of these other energy types. So knowing that what kind of energy type your kid is and how they like to express themselves and what their um, innate actions, because they're saying this system gives you an ind indication as to what they are doing innately and creatively and who they are in, in an expression space, allows you as a parent to go, okay, well, my child doesn't like this other kid. So if I parent them like that other kid, it's going to suffocate what they're actually really great at doing or what they want to be doing. And as soon as we suffocate anything as a parent, sit down, don't do that. Oh, that's being silly or whatever it might be. As soon as you do any of that kind of suffocation, it, it programs the, the subconscious computer. And um, the subconscious is, and everyone's subconscious is programmed from the third trimester till about seven or eight years old, yeah. right? So I, I believe that when we're born as a baby, that first breath, it's 360 degrees of knowing all is all. It's just we can't communicate because all we know how to do is to make noise. So what we're taught is to how to be a human being by the people that have only been taught by the human beings that have been that have come before them. Very limited, right? If you would have born, if there was a such thing as Atlantis, it sounds like people could fly and all kinds of shit. Potentially, if we were able to be parented that way, we might have a greater opening or a greater sense of who we could be or the, the unlimited nature of who we are. But as we're parented, like you said, as we're conditioned, our view of the world becomes this, like very, very limited to what we can see, hear, feel in this space and the environment that is provided by our parents. And then our job as, a, as, as an adult or when we become more independent is to widen that lens of the world, the worldview, to open to in, and be open to more. So as a parent, the less you can restrict, right? And again, this is individually for your kids, the less you can suffocate and restrict their ability to see and to feel the world, I think the more you're going to get out and the more, um, more well-rounded, you know, you'll, you'll have in terms of a, of a, a child, whether they go through adolescence. And as an example, um, working with, as I said, with adolescents for a long period of time, there is a stark, remarkable difference between um, kids that play sport and kids that don't. There's a remarkable difference between kids who live in the city and kids who live in the country. And the country is responsibility. They're given responsibilities very young and responsibilities that are, that impact the family. So if they don't do their chores, if they don't do their job, like they don't make, the family doesn't make money, it doesn't do whatever, like the kids are driving trucks at 13, mm. whatever it might be, right? That's never happening in the city. Spoon-fed, well, I don't want to obviously stereotype, but it's very different. 
So the level of responsibility and all responsibility is, is our ability to respond, which means over time that becomes maturity. Mm. So these kids become more mature a lot earlier. And it, again, it's you're put to a 13 year old country and a city kid together. It is like it's yeah. crazy how different they are. Mm. It's almost like it is stifling the nature of play by doing by putting more responsibility on your child at such a young age, using that as an example. Um, that is stifling the child's necessary need for play because mm-hmm. that is how kids learn is play. And and also to go on your point of um, the not losing the inner child thing, I think um, in terms of not, yeah, what Simon was saying, not limiting them in their, in their activities, so exposing them to a wide range of things and... You know, giving them the, as you said to me once, Simon, the school of life sort of thing, you know, mm. um, because, yeah, I feel like we get such a, a tradition, our traditional upbringing of going to school and, and doing all these kind of mundane things and then you graduate and you're like, I don't actually know anything about the world though. Like, like that's the scary like I've got thing. this, I- I've got this degree and I've learnt and I've gone to uni for three years, but... Do I actually know like How to anything about the world? No. Um, right. And who do you learn that from, right? You learn that from your environment, yeah. usually at home. And I think when you're older, you, there is a lot of like unlearning that you have to do from the way that you were conditioned as a child in order to not pass on certain things to your kid that fucked you up, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I've had to, not that my parents, my parents were awesome, but there were definitely things that I had to unlearn mm. when I had Ziggy because I I wanted to choose my own method of parenting. And you can see very early on that you start doing it with your own kid and then you suddenly identify these yeah. things that your parents did with you that you were like, yeah. I didn't realise that was a thing, but now I've just watched myself do that for yeah. two years. Or it's something, It will it, for me, I'm triggered by something that I will say that my dad always used yep. to say to me and I have to stop myself and be like... Or I resp- you respond to something that the kid does and you're like, oh, that's something my parents... Oh, yeah. my dad would say that. I have to stop saying yeah. that immediately. Have to. It's so funny. So, yeah, the unlearning thing, I think, as well, in terms of c- keeping, yeah, nurturing your kids in a child and keeping that intact. I think we're very lucky, this generation and onwards, because talking about this stuff is so much easier mm. and mm. access to people like yourself and therapists and people that make us so much more self-aware is just a godsend. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've had a I'll probably lot of still conversations. Fuck it up, though. <laughs> What's that? I'll probably still fuck it up, though. I mean, nobody's perfect. I just live by the good enough parent. Yes, I'm good all enough. about the good enough parent. <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, I think as a parent, it's the the best job and the hardest job in the world. And I think uh, intention, I think is the big yeah. thing. I think intention and attention. And presence. I, totally. So, oh, yeah, and for sure. you know what I've learned as my biggest thing at the moment is awareness of your own mistakes and owning up to them. I'm in this really massive phase of where my daughter really appreciates when I apologise to her. So if, she, if, she, if I get frustrated by her... Then we sit down and I apologise and tell her that I made a mistake and I got angry and she responds really well to that. And she apologises for everything now, like even when she doesn't need to because she just knows apology is like a thing. So it's been very like revolutionary for us. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I think you know, if you think about our parents too, it's like 
everyone, this is a Brene Brown thing too, which I, you know, big fan. She states that everyone is just doing the best they can with what they got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love but, her. Yeah. And again, such a great thinker, modern thinker, incredible. But thinking about that in terms of our parents, we're, it's now up to, I believe it's our job to outgrow our parents, right? It's like, and, they, and our kids will outgrow us and their kids will outgrow them. And we talk about our growing is the conditioning. And you talk about, like we were saying before, the conditioning is just uh, like your subconscious is like a computer, right? And it every time it learns something, it places a program into that subconscious. Um, so whether it learns, like you said, the apology thing. So that's gone in now. And that now those brain synapses fire in that direction for, for whatever reason, usually for an outcome. Because the brain itself is just all it does is is to predict the future, right? That's its job is to keep us safe. It needs to be predictable. That's why it hates the unknown. You know, you think about, okay, achieving a goal or stepping out into things you don't really know of, it, it'll throw all kinds of inner dialogue or all kinds of craziness at you to not step out of your comfort zone because the next zone is the fear zone, right? So it'll say, whoa, this is scary. We don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict. I can't keep you safe. I can if I tell you to sit down, you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, whatever it might be. So just sit. And then when you do, you're like, the brain's like, ah, cool. But then it's embedded that that's what happens. If you ever get fearful, you sit back down, sit back down, sit back down. So the encouragement and all encouragement, again, is encourage. So when you encourage your kids to push through that fear zone, another great thing, because the next zone is the learning zone, right? And this is kind of when we're talking about the subconscious programming is that we need to be able to unlearn some of the things that are embedded. But if you think about the power of the program in terms of your conscious mind, the one that wants to change and unlearn is about, I think I've said this before, about 40 bits per second in terms of power, computer power. And the subconscious is 40 million Mm. bits per second. So if your program, which says you're not worthy and every time we go to the fear zone, we turn around and sit back down, is that's the thing that you're, that is, um, charge in your brain is a million times stronger than you wanting to step forward. So as a parent, if we're, you know, as we still talk about that, understanding that the first seven years of, of your child's life is incredible opportunity to encourage, to encourage action and to encourage um, learning, encourage growth, right? to encourage resilience. And that's why I was saying before the sport, sport teaches resilience like nothing else can. It teaches you to win and lose and, and try and, and fail and get back up and all of that sort of beautiful stuff, which is why there's a huge difference. Um, I think the same thing can be can be said for um, for any kind of performing, dancing, acting, whatever it might be, as long as there's a reflect, reflective practice after it with someone who knows what they're talking about. So if that's you as a parent, that's fantastic because the kid can't sit in there and stew and go, I don't know, understand, because in team sport, you learn. You learn how to lose, right? You learn how to fail and get back up. You learn resilience. Or in, in, but and it's the same thing. The difference between individual sports and team sports is most individual kids, if they don't have a coach, they go through the same thing as a performer would. They play it over in their head, and then all of a sudden, this inner dialogue becomes too heavy, too much, and then all of a sudden, they develop for, uh, performance anxiety, right? Because the inner dialogue is just going crazy, and all it is is the brain going, "We don't know what's going to happen," so you're, we're going to yell at you so loud that you don't try, that you sit back down and you go, you don't push through that fear zone. So to encourage, encourage, to really breathe courage, to inspire courage into our children from zero to seven, zero to eight, imperative for how they develop through their adolescence. 
super imperative. Let them fall, right? And the thing about resilience, it's not about picking them back up by the arm and say, you'll be right. You don't pick them up. That's not teaching resilience. Resilience is to encourage them to get back up on their own. So that they stand back up and go, oh, shit, okay, so I get back up when I fall off the bike, off, you know, graze their knee, whatever it might be. But picking them back up doesn't teach them anything, right? But encourage them to does. And that kind of an encouragement is, I, I think, is probably the, the underlying, um, I guess, answer to what we're talking about with parenting is, is encouragement to allow them to express themselves and for you to not suffocate their expression. You know, it's don't be embarrassed by your kid or, you know, whatever they're doing, because that's that's on us. That's not on them. They're just doing them. They love doing whatever they're doing. And we're like, oh, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't be that. Well, as soon as you suffocate that, that's programming, yeah. programming, and programming them, excuse me, so that when they're in an adolescent and something else triggers that, they're like, you can't do that. And they're like, mm. cool. I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, well, yeah, I feel like the that sort of inner child stuff can also be applicable to actors because um, so much of the creative process is, um, is about play and, you know, accessing that inner child um, and, you know, opening your world up to so many different, you know, it, it, acting is like, yeah child's play because it's it you have to open your world up to so many possibilities and not have any limiting sort of beliefs because the more you experience as an actor then the more you've got to work with in your work so so let's talk about the talent ascension program and how it would benefit creatives and actors specifically yeah awesome um so the program itself is it's like a it's a three-tiered coaching program where we've got uh an online app space to develop and build our community and our support network within the high performers or the performers that are in or the coaches that are in your group um the second level of that is we've got our weekly workshops which we develop um, and process things around uh, like modules and um, and a playbook. I call it the map playbook, which is about things like how to cultivate confidence, um, how to avoid procrastination, things that will allow you to pre- perform on a much greater level, whether you are at the performer level, high performer level or the coach level. Um, and then at the top of that little pyramid, we've got the one-on-one stuff, which is the face-to-face where you and I or me and the client will work on a specific um strategy that we want to work on something specific to the individual could be the inner child could be goal setting could be anything specific values um so in terms of a program you get all three of those options and i the reason why i've developed it like that is because i've found that that is the best way to impact the process um and steph i'm you know you've been a part of it for some some time yeah i mean nine months now has uh, it been nine months I, I think from yeah it's been a while Oh, um, right. Wow. Time flies. The, sure, yeah, it sure does. And if we think about <clears throat> having the ability to be accountable to our goals on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, and being it being flexible to you. So um, the fact is that the app is available 24-7, so you can open and answer the questions whenever you want based on your schedule. That to me was schedule. really important because... 
that? The schedule. I'll come to that. <laughs> so the idea of um, it being flexible enough so that the individual can put it into their daily routine, right? Whatever it might be. Because, you know, as I said, when you're training at a high level or performing or owning business or whatever it might be, you've already got a huge amount of commitments. So what I wanted to do is to make sure that the program could fit within that. And that was really important. So we obviously open up the online space to be able to do that. We also have the other people in the group to be able to support and connect uh, and to offer you um, the, the support that's required from a, you know, to champion you as you climb your mountain. I think that's really important too. And as I said, the workshops, which we do um, are the ones where we get together, activate some of these processes that we talk about, uh, whether it's on a, on a values or a goals or a whatever level it might be, specifically the confidence level for people. Um, we're doing a lot of, at the moment, we're doing a dream team. So putting together like you, you have a team around you, because obviously if you think about all the great athletes and actors in the world, um, the difference between, one of the big differences between an amateur and a pro is that, that the pros have got a team, the amateurs are on their own, right? So as an artist, and I work with a lot of artists, but actors specifically, what we want to try and create in a subjective field, because acting, because you know, musicianship is so subjective. It's like I can create the greatest thing or give the greatest performance, but if you don't like it, it just gets it falls flat, right? Um, and it's a little bit different towards with with athleticism, where it's usually runs on the board, or it might be a performance in terms of on the field, but you know, points and scores and whatever it might be. Whereas I think with a performer who's on stage or on screen, ultimately the what we want to try and do is create a greater sense of certainty and process that allows the the artist to um, not be as subjected to the subjectivity of the space or of their realm. Um, and creating more certainty around their process, mm. which then allows them to feel um, like they've got more control, more ownership, which again, which inspires them to be able to give more, do more, be more in that space. So as a, as a program for actors specifically, it's, as I said, I've, I think it's fantastic because what we're doing is we're empowering the process of their expression. And then, like I said, that top tier, which is like, and as I said, it's all available in the one program, but the top little part of the mountain is when we understand all of those things and you've worked through and you've reflected on your processes, you and I will get together and we'll, we'll fine tune, right? We'll finesse it to so that the process is specific to you, whether it's doing some site case stuff, which is unlimiting some of the limited subconscious beliefs, or whether it, as I said, being getting greater clarity or confidence or courage through that process, whatever it might be having that ability to work one-to-one on top of all those, both of those other processes, for me, rounds it off really beautifully and really perfectly. And that's where the greatest impact I've found has been, is it being able to offer all three. So the program itself is is that three tiers, which is, again, it's an all-encompassing in terms of the program. So to how it, how it um, improves or, or um, supports actors specifically i mean that's who your audience is mm. is as we've said it's it's a great um great deal of depth in terms of going into their individual process um but also supporting them in uh some of the high performance habits high performance skills high performance strategies that have worked for the best in the world because that's where obviously we do a lot of our research is the best performers how are they doing it and how can we synergize the best with your current expression and how you do things so obviously making sure that the process is authentic that's one of the big underlines for map is that 
your expression is going to be authentic. So awareness, authenticity, alignment, those three A's are basically the big three that we focus on in terms of how to get you from where you are to where you want to be so that when you get to the top, you're expressing yourself with as, as greater authenticity as possible so that when you get the reward, whether it be a huge role or whether it be a big series or whatever it might be, you're actually doing it from the greater state of certainty in self and certainty in process so that it can be replicated. Like I said, I'm empowering you to be able to do it at any level and without me there, mm. right? An enabler will just will make sure that you're um, that that I'm required for this process at every point. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. I don't know what to do. What do I do? No, no, no. The idea is to empower the process so that it's something that you have for a lifelong expression, but authenticity is well, probably their big underlining for how it's great for actors because you can see the great actors or the great singers of the world, they are as, as authentic as, as anyone in terms of their expression. The best are the most authentic, like you said, unlimited, and that's authenticity for me, is being unlimited, being able to fully express yourself um, to the best of your capability and to the best of your ability, but the ultimate expression of your true self into your craft and then master that craft so that you become the best at it, right? That's that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Long, long answer. Yeah, no, that was good because I think, I mean, the main thing that I love about the program is um, A, the accountability um, because I tend to have the big goals and then I get sort of bored by the small steps, the small mundaneness that needs to happen in between to get there. Um, so accountability and, um, and yeah, like you touched on before with the individual person, as you said, always has the answers. The answers are always inside you. It's just to be empowered to say, oh, this is what I need to do. And then encouraged from that point, um, rather than being told this is the path you should take, or this is what I would do, or, you know. Um, so I've found that really helpful because a lot, a lot of coaches are the, the, this is what I would do sort of thing. And it's like, well, if I don't do that, then I'm not following what you've told me and then I feel bad and then it's just, you know, so that's what I really, um, have found very helpful about the program. And I like that the group, you know, cause there's group zoom sessions. I can only join one a week usually, but mm. you do, do you do two a week or more? At the moment, there's two. Potentially, yeah. we'll um, we'll bring it back to one. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to do. I'd love to be able to do the two, but um, I can only do one. But I I find those really helpful because it's good to hear what other people are doing and you know encourage each other and or maybe people have ideas about things or I, I just think I find it really helpful. And they're not all they're not all just actors. They're they're from different backgrounds and different you know, um, professions. So I find that really interesting. Yeah, that's right. Putting together a group of people that have different perspectives is really important yeah. in terms of how to achieve something. So, and in terms of support. So in, in your group specifically, there might be some actors, which you, and as I said, you're very kindly have um, supported some of those guys along their path as well, you know, which is fantastic. And this is the idea is to build the community and the connection to empower one another um, but there'll also be like other business owners or there might be an athlete in the group that they can can learn from your processes as well. And I think that that encouragement from across the board in different realms, that different perspective allows us to see things. It's almost like we're looking into the same house from different windows. 
but are, are hearing and understanding their process and what they're seeing and how they're viewing it allows us to become more aware of what we're seeing and what we're doing. And that's, as I said, awareness is one of the, it's the greatest tool you can obviously offer anybody is awareness. So that awareness, which then we try and work on our, our alignment. And then, as we said, that authenticity of expression is, is paramount to obviously supporting anyone, whether it's a business owner, high performance athlete, actor, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, that's super important. And I love that, you know, that you're enjoying that as well. And I mean, at the start of the process, um, when we first when we first kicked it off in March, like you said, you were very busy. Um, so what we did, and this is kind of part of what um, what I love to do is to offer greater systems. If you've got greater systems that you're putting in place in order to achieve where we fall to, if you think about how that's going to generate momentum in the direction of your goal, right? To me, that's what I'm. That's really important. So to give you, if you've got an amateur system, and I can give you a pro system of achievement, we can understand how quickly and directly mm. that's going to affect what you're doing and then when you get to the next level which is the next stage of the climb of everest it's like right we've got to upgrade again and it's a continual upgrading all the way to the top and you know if you you've been blitzing you know the the system in itself when you're right involved in putting in all these things as you said you'd always message me saying oh i feel great the momentum's fantastic i'm feeling really great and the countable is fantastic there was a really great thing and then end of the year comes around and you're smashing awards out of the park so there's no doubt. There's no doubt that the work that you put in is the is the benefit or the reward that you get out. And I think the more we put into ourselves, and the more we put into our craft, and the more we put into the things that we love, the more we're going to receive from it, mm. right? And that is that's the key. And three percent of the world do the work. That's like so. Ninety-seven percent of people don't engage with someone to do personal work to do coaching. Ninety-seven percent. No, it's not for me right? But 3% of the world do. And you can un obviously understand, like if you're a part of the top 3% saying, I'm in, let's do it. I'm going to optimize, right? The results will take care. I always say the focus on the process and the results will take care of themselves. If you want greater results, got to have greater processes. Um, yes. Boom. You got to have that schedule, mm. that process. Which that was I'm fun. notoriously terrible at following. <laughs> I caught you once, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Simon's shared on my um, – we have a shared calendar with my schedule on it and so he can check what I'm up to. Dangerous. Sounds so sort of creepy, but it's actually great because – It's the accountability. Sometimes I just get this message going, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you meant to be writing. Yeah, that's yeah. not – it's not writing – it's it's writing time, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm on the beach. Uh, I'm just vacuuming my house. <laughs> the cool thing I love about the scheduling, which I've done with a lot of guys and clients, I should say clients rather than guys, but is that having something, and I'm looking at mine now, having it there allows for flexibility. So the fact is, is, is that a lot of things are movable in the week. Mm. But if you don't have a schedule that works for you, it's going to work against you. Mm. Right. So yeah. if it's not working for you, like you can piece, move the chess pieces around. Okay. I missed that because I've, I've missed a few things this week, but I've put them in at the end of the week, yeah. but they're there. So I'm always accountable to what I not only need to do, but want to do. So therefore my processes and momentum continue to tick along and I continue to grow, right? We either progress or regress, we either grow or decay. It's that simple. There's no mid, we don't stop. Right. And what I want to incorporate 
for people like, and you can see in Steph and the audience understands, you know, chicken and chips and the, the excellence that you guys provide to the community is that if you have excellence habits, right? If you, excellence is a habit. It's a lifestyle. It's not, it's not just basically, you've got to plan for excellence. You can't just wing it, right? So ultimately, if like you've got someone or some um, support around you that allows you to excel, it's, it's that simple. You're, gonna, you've, you're preparing to be great. And that's again, that's the the log line or the or the um, the, the whatever you want to call that. You know, the motto of the of the, the TAP motto. program is prepare to be great, and that's yeah. what we do. Amazing, love it. I love that. Let's do rapid fire. Okay, so it's just one word or a short sentence for your answers. I'm not very good at that. I know, neither am I. (laughs) I mean, I'm not very good on not asking people to please elaborate on their answers, so I have to stop doing that. We'll just cut each other off. Like, as soon as you start going to talk more, you just talk over the top of it. Everyone loves that. Yeah, everyone loves that. All right. Did you see that thing the other day, that meme that they put with ScoMo and the Dr. Evil? Have you seen that? No. No. Oh, there's... Oh, it's so funny. That would be good. Anyway. I oh, I haven't seen it. it. That's great. I haven't seen it, but oh, I just figured I'm out the queen of memes. Out. I should have seen that. Um, okay. Rapid okay. fire. Rapid fire. Is becoming not rapid. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your most irrational fear? Irrational fear? The unknown. Death. Death. Basically. Mm. What's something surprising about you that we may not know? I didn't know he was scared of death. I'm a pretty open book. It's that's interesting. Um, man, I'm so stumped. I don't know. Okay. Um, Moving on. All right. Well, let, you can think about that in your own time. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Best advice I've ever been given is t- to focus on the process, and the result will take care of itself. What's your walk-on song? It'll either have to be some sort of. Um, oh, it's definitely N Words in Paris. Jay Z, Kanye West. Great. Oh, I love it because mine's Good Life by Kanye. You guys and you can't, yeah. Isn't he called Ye now? Yeah, I know. He's just changed his name to Ye. Yeah. That's it. Y-E. No, no surname. Honestly. What a weirdo. I don't even like the guy, but I no, just, that's not. my walk on song. He's have, a genius. Have, there's a podcast called Dissect. I don't know yep. if you've heard of it. But um, for listeners out there, if you love music, which I love, well, that's uh, maybe something you don't love about, know about me is that I, I play and write songs and music. Yes, that's a good one. Um, so um, I don't sing, not for shit, very badly. <laughs> Go on. I believe everyone can sing, but some people can do it better than others, but I literally cannot sing. And my fiance will tell you the same thing. Um, but yeah, there's a podcast called Dissect and, and it goes and dissects an entire album song by song per episode. And this guy's a classically trained musician cool. and it goes into like Kendrick's albums and Kanye's yeah. albums. The ones that are like these, and again, for screenwriters out there, they've literally written these albums like an like a hero's journey. And that's what Kanye does with his albums. He writes hero's journey in songs. Um, and anyway, this the, he, they do a beautiful dark twist fantasy and it's it's mind-blowing. There's triple entendres, quadruple entendres, like, oh, it's he's a genius. Oh, my like, God. He might be a dick, but he's a genius. Yeah, he's a dick. But that's okay because I like listening to those sorts of podcasts. So, oh, And I'm on yes. a music um yeah, it's my theme at yeah. the moment, so I'll go and check that out. Awesome. Um, uh, what are you most grateful for right now? I think I'm most grateful for my support 
network. People in my life who I've chosen to be who influence me. Um, and I, as I think we get to choose our influences, right? So yeah. the people who influence me, I'm, I'm forever grateful for. Um, yeah, they're, they're the best people in the world. Great. Who would you cast as yourself in a film about your life? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to think, uh, well, I like um, Owen Wilson. Oh, I was going to um, say that. I was going to say Owen Wilson. Got to be. Yeah, maybe Owen. Um, but if, if you know, I guess if you had more money, you'd probably ask Ryan to do it, right? If you've got more money, Owen Wilson's surely in high demand. Not as much Are you talking about Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I think Owen Wilson's a way better actor. Oh, wow. He's more interesting. I find, yeah, I find him more raw, and I'm, I guess I'm attracted to the rawness of actors rather think, than the, the but polished. I saw Midnight in Paris. Was that <gasps> big? Um, it's my, I, it's still one of my favorite films, you even can't though say that. I know I can't say it, but fuck, I can't not love that movie. I don't know what it is. I fucking hate Woody Allen. He's a dick. I, I, as a feminist, I know this is a shit thing, but I cannot not love that film. It's just it transcends you into that world and it's just I just I can't not like it I just can't I've tried I've tried there's another film that Owen's in uh, behind enemy lines or something yeah like that where he's he's a fighter pilot and it's action and he was epic um he's great he his, yeah he had his hair cut short looked a bit kind of funny but um because I'm a huge Hansel fan big fan of Hansel oh yeah. God. He's the man. Classic. Yeah, Classic. good casting. Classic. We've yeah, had love such it. great casting so far yeah. on this podcast. I like how everyone sort of goes into it thinking about it. Like I've never thought of this before, and then they come out with like the perfect casting. Yeah, like, you've definitely thought about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, every maybe, time. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Simon. For Thanks joining for joining us, us on the I source. Hope it was helpful, and I hope it was in some sort of support for everybody out there and and again thank you guys for just loving the community and doing you you guys are the best you're welcome we love you thank you see you soon that's the end of the episode so we hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to like subscribe follow and comment share whatever you do um so tell your people yeah tell your people so other people can also benefit from the clusterfuck that is stefan out see you next time the source is recorded on gadigal land we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we live work and recognize their continuing connection to land waters and culture 